As we read these Old Testament stories, we're reminded that Abram had actually moved once before, moving with his wife Sarai, his father Terah, and his kinspeople from the city of Ur in the fertile Tigris-Euphrates Valley to Haran, a crossroads of major trade routes far to the northwest. And now he felt the compulsion to move again, but this time away from his father and his clan. He was to take his family and leave behind the now familiar countryside of Haran and strike out for somewhere. He would know when he got there. He was at the disposal of a force far greater than himself, and he responded with trust and action. How do we respond to change? The Bible throughout holds up Abram as an example in both Old and New Testaments. But how do we deal with the stress and flux of, of our daily lives? How can we tell when the voice of or circumstance that brings us change or challenge might be the voice or circumstance of God's leading? We are the church after all, and we are supposed to be looking for the guiding presence of God's Spirit. And we, especially as a congregation, with Bobby's departure last Sunday, are dealing with changes and circumstances beyond our control, and understandably, both the stress and the uncertainty are very real. A study was published not too long ago about why people come to the church and why people leave the church. And the study discovered that the thing that causes most people to leave the church is change and stress. Paradoxically, those are also the major reasons people come to the church. It has to do with our perspective on change and on how we deal with it. Now, one way we respond to change, of course, is to resist it. We cry at a variety of transitional occasions, at graduations, weddings, divorces, births, deaths, relocations. And we cry at those times at least partly because we're leaving behind something known, something secure. Whether it's life without school, life without a spouse or a close friend, life after retirement, life as a single person, life as a married person, life as a parent, life alone, the future can be frightening. And it often is. Our old life, life as it was before the change, no matter what else it held, was at least somewhat predictable, even if there were trade-offs we had to make. And frankly, some of us, more than anything else, just want to stay where we are and as we are, rather than take on something new and different. We see the strange and the new as full of problems and dangers. And when we perceive change in that way, it's, it's little wonder that we resist it. Some of us resist change because we fear looking back years later only to regret our choices and to mourn our losses. Abram, too, must have had his wistful moments when he looked back and wondered why he had come to Canaan, why he had ever left the familiar security of Haran. 
Sometimes people bring me cartoons. They often end up in my Bible as bookmarks. Uh, some of them are funny and some of them are profound, and a few of them are actually both. One of my favorites is a picture of a person I take to be Abram standing on the mountaintop looking up and talking to God and saying, gee, we were sort of hoping that the promised land would be somewhere outside the Middle East. <laughs> there, there are few, if any, changes in our lives which once undertaken will not cause us to look back wistfully from time to time at the way things were the way things used to be. And there are few, if any, guarantees that everything in life will turn out as we hope. Some of us respond to change or to a new idea by quickly and repeatedly listing all the reasons why we should not go into that change or why it's a bad idea. Now, that kind of negativism can become a rut that is progressive, contagious, and devastating to the life of an individual and to the life of a congregation. Instead of responding to God's call, Abram might have refused it for reasons that would sound only too familiar to us. How did he know, for instance, that this urging was actually God's plan for him? What practical sense was there in it anyway? What proof did he have that it would all turn out all right? Abram might have said, that just doesn't make good sense, and then refused to go. But he didn't. God said go, and Abram went. He wasn't sure what he would find when he came to the end of his journey, but he felt that it was what God wanted him to do. And by building altars wherever he traveled, he also affirmed his conviction that God was with him in the journey. And as Jamie reminded the children and us just a few moments ago, that is the guarantee we have in all the changes of life. God will be with us. We aren't guaranteed that life will be free of risks. We aren't guaranteed that we'll always make the right choices. We aren't guaranteed that we will never fail. But as Bobby reminded us last Sunday, Quoting that last verse in Matthew's gospel, we are guaranteed that God will always be with us for as long as it takes. Even in those times when God seems farthest away, those may be the times that God is nearest, if we will see it. And with that guarantee, we can risk change and think new ideas without so much fear. With that guarantee, we can be lifted above always seeing the problems and limitations of a new direction to being excited about the possibilities. Who knows? We might even come to enjoy the risks. At the very end of that well-known and well-loved 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, we find these familiar words. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. Now I've always been intrigued by that short list 
with faith in front and love in the final and most important position. We talk about those two a lot in the church, faith and love. But the element that connects them is another that I think we don't talk about nearly enough. Hope. I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life when I was much younger when I spent an inordinate amount of time with a puzzle called Rubik's Cube. (laughs) I, I see you out there. I'll say right up front, I was never able to solve that puzzle completely. But I was able to complete one whole side. (laughs) And I was told by those who knew that I would never solve the entire puzzle until I was willing to risk losing that first side for the sake of the whole. That was hard for me to do. I, I had worked so hard to get it. But I wouldn't realize the goal unless I was willing to give it up. In the seventh chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus says, in effect, that God's will for us is best known in the doing of it. From Abram's point of view, the way to be sure whether the urging of your soul is the voice of God is to answer it and see. That takes faith. The other side of that for the rest of us is that unless we're willing to risk it, we may never find it. The conventional wisdom from Aesop on down has been, look before you leap. But a wise contemporary thinker has added, but don't look too long. You might just sit down. What are the choices facing you? What are the choices that will face us as a church in the next few months, the next few years? What are the new ideas that are now and will be challenging the ways we all look at things? Now, I'm not saying that you give in to any impulse just to see if it's from God. God gave us some common sense and wants us to use it. But we're not to be so afraid of change or newness that we reject it out of hand either. We can approach the new with a sense of excitement and anticipation and not with fear because God will be with us in the new and different and may just be calling us into it.